Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is March 24th, 2023, and this is episode 357. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Agnes. And on this week's show, we'll make some bold predictions. Bold. And we'll also find out when the technological singularity will come for this podcast. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Scotty, what are you drinking this week? Uh, I am doing a culinary crafted cocktail from Dogfish Head Distilling Company, a vodka crush, blood orange mango. You know what? I felt like if we're going to play Boston next week for opening day, we might as well go with a Boston you know, cocktail. Yikes. Yikes. Scott, I'm very boring this week. My drink of the week is coffee. Oh, with Bailey's. Uh, nope. Oh, with whiskey. Just, just sadness. So... It was a very late night here in the English house last night. Um, and by that, I mean everybody but me was asleep. And uh, if we're going to have anywhere near a sentient conversation this evening, I, I needed a little pick-me-up. Well, I mean, I'm really glad that you are, again, supporting homebrew coffee. Um, again, the brand for this, for folks that want to drink what Drake is drinking, uh, it's going to be called the Calvary. So go out and pick up your aspects of the Calvary. It's just the right thing to pick you up and make you rebound after a tough day. It's just in time. Just in time. And if you're interested oh, in seeing... one second. Just threw my back out after a massive commercial. My bad. <laughs> Tripped over a bag. Yep. If you're interested to see what we are drinking on a daily, weekly, and now the baseball season is upon us, hourly basis, come and find us on Untapped. The coffee might not be there, but the rest of it will. I'm at Jake E 4025 I'm at M-A-G-N-8606. And with that, let's head over to the medical wing and see who's already injured for the season. Time for your checkup. Check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heartbeat, fix you up, ready to go. Time for your checkup. <laughs> it's okay if you giggle. This will only tickle a little. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. That's right, it is time for the medical wing. And Scotty, we've got a couple of new items on the list. We've been marveling at how relatively healthy the Orioles are, but let's talk about what's happened. Ramon Urias. Yeah, hug watch. <laughs> and bruised thumb. Sure, bruised day. Bruised thumb, absolutely. He bruised his thumb. There's no chance he bruised his thumb. Playing infield. No chance. In batting practice. No chance. This is hug watch? This is hug watch. Okay. What? <laughs> this is driving you to drink already. This is hug watch. <laughs> Well, that would be actually a great name for a podcast. Okay. Why didn't we think of that? Let, let's let's break this down. So, uh, no, no, we're not breaking anything. In no, no, we're breaking something down in, in, in spring training here. Um, so he was in the lineup. You know, he he had this injury uh, per se, um, and then uh, all of a sudden, for tonight on on a Friday evening, he gets inserted back into the lineup, and they're just like, you know what? We're actually going to scratch him again from the lineup. This screams massive hug watch. What do you think we'll be getting back for what's left of Ramon Urias's thumb? I have no idea. I mean, what does this team need? Pitching. Yeah. And are you going to get pitching for Ramon Urias? No. You know what this must be about? It must be about shedding his ridiculously high contract. That's absolutely the case. Because we got Adam Frazier, so what else do we need? 
<laughs> this makes me sad. The saddest timeline of all time. Okay. This has got to be the worst spring training in the world for Ramon Urias. Like, you miss out on the Mexican yeah. you know, Mexican team, you know, doing so well in the World Baseball Classic. You're you're on hug watch on a day-in and day-out basis. You're watching Jordan Westberg take it bats away from you left and right. And then you're just saying to yourself, but but I got a gold glove. And and what is what is Frazier doing here? Gotta be rough. So bruised ego, bruised thumb, hug watch. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Next on the list is Michael Givens, the return of future retiring and Oriole Michael yep. Givens. He's got a got a knee issue. He's got a lot of other issues, but <laughs> in this particular segment, we're gonna talk about his knee. And I don't know if I should be concerned about this, but Brandon Hyde in in updating the media on Given situation said that he he was hopeful. There's no chance that Givens would make opening day. There's no chance he makes opening day. No chance. No chance. Mm. I mean, he just doesn't have enough like appearances. I mean, why are you rushing him? Also, and we're going to talk about this a little bit. It, it may be useful from a roster crunch situation. Right. Exactly. So I, I don't see any way Michael Givens breaks and, and goes to Boston. Can you stop saying break during the medical wing? All right. I can try that. I was ready. I was ready for a super trooper style yeah. meow. And last, can we say lubricate for the show? No. <laughs> no. Derek Arnold will come for you. <laughs> Lastly, we have Dylan Tate, who's still got the forearm uh, forearm strain, the uh, the Tommy John ouchie. He threw a side session today on Friday, and the world did not blow up. World didn't blow up, and they say that he's still on schedule. Which I think it. It's a matter of, you know, that's great, but we'll see what happens with this. I saw a possible date of return of May 2nd, and I don't know how reasonable that is. I don't think that's unreasonable, but I think it's an aspect of, you know, when he gets into game-like scenarios, you know, how does it respond? We'll see. We'll see. But I don't think that's an unreasonable ask. I mean, you know, when the injury first happened, you know, Elias did say, you know, May was probably the case, Mm -hmm. you know. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think Dylan Tate's going to have to get some significant playing time. Maybe it goes into mid-May in order to give him some additional playing time. And the last thing I have to say about the medical wing is, you know, the World Baseball Classic has come to an end, and uh, I'm delighted that the Orioles players who participated in the tournament came out healthy, no major drama, and though we love the World Baseball Classic, there was a little bit of that. So, you know... Uh, nice to dodge a bullet for once. Oh, you're absolutely right. There was a ton of drama as it relates to injuries at the World Baseball Classic. No drama whatsoever in terms of spring training injuries whatsoever. Oh, never. 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 So, I mean, it, it just is the fact that when there are brown people playing. Oh, <laughs> That's not where I thought that was going. I mean, how can you not look at it and just be like, oh, uh, individuals that are critiquing the aspect of the World Baseball Classic are, you know, we'll call it middle-aged white men. Hi, guilty. Um, and basically saying, I can't believe we are pulling all these people together to play with these fellow brown people. <laughs> so you're saying there's the uh, family guy chart? Absolutely. There's no question. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, you're you're going to get us angry letters written. Uh, that's perfectly fine. That's all right. We'll read them on the air. Okay. So <laughs> we've broken the medical wing. We're going to turn our attention to Orioles baseball at 280 characters or fewer. Is it a zillion now? I don't think it's a zillion yet. But we're getting there. This uh, week on the Twitter. Blue check mark not approved is the best way to put it. <laughs> this week on the Twitters. We just talked about the World Baseball Classic, and the World Baseball Classic is over. And and frankly, it was incredible. This tweet, though, comes to us from Orioles Haiku at O's Poems. And it's a very serious tweet. It's it's something that I think all Americans felt right after the loss of the American team. 
<clears throat> to Japan, and it, and it reads as follows. That seals the deal. I'm no longer a Team USA fan. I've been a fan since 1982 and a season ticket holder since 1996. I officially will not be renewing my plan next season, nor will I watch on TV ever again. Trout is officially the worst center fielder in history. Oh, sorry, that was me uh, slurping up my pasta. <laughs> Did you want some? No. I've no, got a I'm copy good. of it. I'm, I'm, I'm all set. Jake, first instance of the season, it's time for Uniform Watch. Yes. So Jake, Fox Sports posted as follows on MLB on Fox. Unfortunate scene, the T has fallen off the jersey of the Great Britain pitcher Ian Gibbot. And John Shepard, founder of Camden Depot, uh, you can follow him at JSBear, says, I believe the comment is, the T has been spilled. Now, Jake, I know you made several comments on the uniform selection by Great Britain. I wanted to give you a quick moment to maybe give us a little analysis, break down statistically um, where this uniform stands uh, in the greater hierarchy that is World Baseball Classic, but even greater hierarchy that is baseball as general. Great Britain has been a contributor of world culture yep. for hundreds of years. Yep. People from Great Britain have produced art, have produced literature, have produced entertainment of sport for time immemorial. It has been a pivotal source of culture as far as Western civilization is concerned. And so it's clear from these uniforms that Great Britain has used it all up. Completely. There is no more creativity on the islands, and it, it, is, it is simply going to be boring and rather, well, British from here on out. So what you're saying is the sun has never set on a worse uniform. That is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Next, we're going to go to a tweet from the Baltimore Orioles themselves, at Orioles. Gibson getting the start with an image that said, Kyle Gibson has been named the opening day starter. I know that they had to make the announcement, but is anybody surprised by this? Uh. I am so much looking forward to the game starting because, you know, I'm psyched for baseball season. It's been a hard off season with just not much happening, but I cannot get myself excited about these kind of announcements. Come on, let's go. Let's play the games. Yeah. Uh, last tweet uh, comes from Bob Nottingale. Um, unfortunately, I don't know why we're doing this, but I guess he was the only one that posted this information. But Bob posts as follows. The top five MLB team teams values per Forbes was the Yankees at 7.1 billion, Dodgers at 4.8 billion, Red Sox at 4.5 billion, Cubs at 4.1, Giants at 3.7 million. Top five profits in 2022, Mariners at 83.8, Giants at 74.9, Red Sox at 71.6, Baltimore Orioles at 64.7, and the A's at 62.2. Top five losses, the Mets, the Padres, the White, White Sox, the Blue Jays, and the Twins. Yeah, this was really uncalled for on World Tuberculosis Day. Um, <laughs> Bob, I'd ask you in the future to be more considerate of our communities. And in the future, maybe look inward at your whiteness and try to be a little bit more woke on the situation. I think that he got these figures from the Orioles opening up their books in early February, as, as they announced. Yeah, I don't think so. So, first of all, I mean, we have to take these numbers with a grain of salt. Slight, a slight grain of salt, but not a major grain of salt. These numbers are pretty decent. $64.7 million. Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't sound like a lot of money. I mean, that's, that's two pitchers, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not a ton of money, but, I mean, if you look at the salary, like, you know, what we're paying for the payroll, and then you look at $64.7 I mean, it does kind of scream out 
New Yorkers should be at least able to field a $100 million payroll. Sure, sure. And keep in mind, and this is just 2022. They probably pocketed something similar in 21 and 20. Correct. Well, I think we've got to be careful on that standpoint because we already know 20 was a rough year in terms of profitability as a whole for Major League Baseball. Sure. We sure. saw that a lot during the CBA where the owners were like, we're so poor. We are so poor. Look at us. Look how poor we are. So, I mean, I think we have to, and he's put it in credence of like, you know, maybe they weren't making $64 million. Maybe they made, you know, just a, a, I mean, $10 million. Paltry. A paltry, exactly. Right. But, no, I think this goes back to, you know, I don't think the Orioles can be a top five spender. I don't even know if they can be a top ten spender consistently. You know, people keep pointing back to the Padres in terms of the media market. But, again, I think this kind of emphasizes the aspect of the Padres are, you know, doing what the Orioles did during the Buckle Up Birds era, which is they're spending a little bit more than they probably should in order to go all in. But they also have an owner that's willing to do so. I do find it interesting that teams like the A's and the Mariners are you know, holding on to money a little bit more closely. The Red Sox had a profitability margin of $71.6 million makes no sense to me. And I know there's a lot of upset Red Sox fans that the Red Sox are not spending more money, which is very interesting. Well, I know how the Orioles are going to do it. Okay, I know how they're going to come up with the extra money. Yep. First of all, they're going to... Get money out of the scoreboard sign again, again mm-hmm. right? So the the sun has been torn down. Yep. The the sun has literally set yep. on Camden Yards. So they're gonna just reap uh, all sorts of cash from that. And then the Angelus family, in addition to making money on concerts, is uh, thinking about selling the naming rights for Oriole Park to Camden Yards. Ooh. That's it is what it is. Oh. Who needs who needs tradition, Jake? God, that that's that's one of those things where it's like one. I am delighted that the Orioles are one of the few franchises that do not sell the naming rights for their stadium. And second, I really don't feel like the money that that will bring in will be the difference in this team being successful or not. So I disagree with you wholeheartedly. That additional $8 million is going to be the Adam Frazier that we need to push us over the top. That really does feel, though like corporate field or corporate park at Camden Yards is, you know, 30 pieces of silver. So let me ask you this question, though. Like, I don't want to get too off topic here, but coming back to the naming standpoint. Do we have a topic? You obviously are very passionate about uh, naming. Are you, in, in fact, stating on this podcast that if a individual or company were to come to the Baltimore Orioles or the Maryland Stadium Authority and offer to basically sponsor it in order to put the name on the, in the building, let's say they were offering $100 million a year, that you would not philosophically participate in the process regardless of the situation. I mean, $100 million a year. But you're not going to philosophically participate in the process because based on your morale and, you know, your traditional aspects, you're going to turn that down, right? I mean, you know, if I could get a little bit of that, that, that naming money, that'd be fine. So there is a number. Oh, I'm sure there's a number. There's a number. Look, so every, you are... man, every man has his price, Scott. Oh, that's not true. Dan Ducat does not have a price for Shoah Nitani. <laughs> I'm, just really, <laughs> I'm just really disappointed that taking Oreo Park off the stadium comes at such a low price. Who says Oreo Park has to come up the stadium? Well, it's a corporate field at Oreo Park at Camden Of course. How many ats can there be in a name? I mean, have you been on the internet recently? No. <laughs> no. No, I have not. Allegedly. All right, let's get out of the Twitters. All right. This is making me the sad clown. and <laughs> It's I, a sad, sad place. <laughs> <laughs> it's a silly place. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll clear our head, and I would like to get into uh, projection mode, and I would like us to engage philosophically. Bold predictions. Into some bold predictions. Yeah.
right, Scotty, the season is almost upon us. It's that time again where we start looking forward and thinking about what might be in Orioles baseball. And it's spring. Hope springs eternal. Absolutely. After what I would consider to be an unfortunate offseason, yep. I'm ready to turn the page and get totally excited about this team. So, and, and honestly, we're in the best shape of our lives as it relates to bold predictions because after 12 seasons, uh, we actually made our first correct bold prediction last year. That's, that's true. So one time out of 12 seasons... We were right once. I think that's right. So, so we're on a streak. <laughs> this is the Jim Hunter aspect. Well, he's one one for one. So let's let's keep the streak going. I think I think what he's saying is we're due. We are due per Catholic Charities in Baltimore. <laughs> All right, let's make some quick bold predictions about the roster. And I got to be honest, I'm I'm kind of bored by the roster talk because there there isn't much in the way of questions about the roster. When you look at who's going to be there, who's not going to be there, thirteen pitchers. 13 position players, we know who the catchers are going to be. We know who the infielders are going to be. I, I, I really don't think there's any question about Taron Vavra making the team at this point. Do you? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> the only question is whether or not Ramon Urias's thumb or the rest of them is going to be here. Yeah, but I think, I don't, I don't see why that would hold him off at this given point. From the outfield situation, I think it's also probably pretty set. I think both uh, Ryan McKenna and Kyle, Kyle Stowers come north with the team. I agree. Okay. So really the only drama lies with the pitching staff. I agree. I mean, I think it just comes back down to even not the pitching staff. I think it just goes to the bullpen. Well, I mean, let's let's call it right here. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez comes north with the team? I think so. I, I mean, th- I know there's conversations about the standpoint of the Orioles might push him to Norfolk, but I just don't see it. I, I think that they know he's the only way he is going to become what he needs to be is by being in the majors at this point. I agree. So. I agree. So we know our we know our top five. The the interesting thing will be what happens to that top five when John Means returns. But we'll have plenty of information on how well they're doing. So that that leaves, like you said, the bullpen. Yep. And the bullpen has lots of positions that are already fixed. You know, Bautista, Sino Perez, Michael Givens, if he's healthy, mm-hmm. uh, obviously locks. I, I think Tyler Wells is a lock. I think Tyler Wells is a lock based off of you know again having that six starter potentially as well out there. So I think he'll probably be a long man in the bullpen. Sure. Brian Baker? Yes, for the time being. Sure. But, I mean, on day one. Yeah, on day one, yes. But he's got options, so he will be a swingman. He's going to go up and down. He'll, he, he'll drive the shuttle. He's going to go left and right. He's going to go up and down. Keegan Aiken? I guess. <laughs> I'm not thrilled about it either, but I think he'll be there. I don't think Keegan Aiken is long for this team. I think he's got, I think, one option remaining. I think he's going to, you're going to see him shuffled around. And if he truly does have only have, have one option left... If it's true, he'll go up and down like Norfolk Shutter. If he doesn't, and the data I have is incorrect, I think he's going to be one of the first you know, folks on this roster that's going to be designated for assignment. Okay. I think Austin Voth makes the team. I think he has to. No options. Yep. Here's one that, that I find interesting. I think Joey Crable's on the outside looking in. I think so, too. Okay. All right. I think D.L. Hall is on the outside looking in. I think D.L. Hall is going to Norfolk and is basically going to be starting. I don't think they see any reason to put Dio Hall into the bullpen like they did last, like at the end of the last season, I think they're going to say, we need you in the rotation. Mm-hmm. We do not want to have you know Kyle Gibson on a long-term basis in the rotation. So I think they're going to start building him up. So I think, you know, you mentioned John Means at the All-Star break. I do think there's going to be a conversation at some point in May or June of when is Dio Hall going to come up to the Major League roster? Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. And so that, that leaves the Rule 5 guy. Yep, you've got plenty. 
I think Paletti is the big question mark. And I think this always is the case with a Rule 5. I feel like the Orioles are going to try to make Paletti work. I, I just think that, you know, looking at their their bullpen and with Dylan Tate being out, there really is no need to force it. I think Paletti makes the team. I'll be interested to see how long Paletti can make it. Because, again, you can't option them. I don't know if there's going to be enough flexibility in the in the rotation or in the bullpen to keep him on a long-term basis. Yeah, I agree. And, and I don't really think there's much else on the roster to get excited about to take to Baltimore instead. I mean, obviously, when Dylan Tate comes back, then there'll be a hard choice. But I Correct. think performance will probably make that decision for them. You've got Spencer Watkins, which I'm not particularly excited about. You've got Logan Gillespie. He'll be here at some point. But again, Norfolk Shuttle. Cano, same deal. So really, yeah. I don't think there's anybody that bumps him off the roster. Nick Vespi is the only other person that I would mention that is on the IL right now. Um, and I could see, you know, Vespi potentially pushing against him. But again, I still think they're going to look at it and say, we kind of know what we have with Vespi. We'll use Vespi as that Norfolk shuttle. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think that they're, they're going to look at Paletti and say, all right, we need to um, let's get rid of him. I mean, let's talk Tyler Wells really quickly. I mean, Tyler Wells was a Rule 5 individual that they carried on their club in order to bring him through. So... The organization sees the benefits of carrying Rule 5 bullpen arms, and I think don't think anyone's claiming that Tyler Wells is going to be a breakout or be a great player, but I think we even saw, as he took on that kind of closure role in 2021, I, I don't think there is an aspect where Tyler Wells couldn't contribute. Tyler Wells is going to be interesting, and it's going to be interesting of, like, are they going to have him be a long man, or are they going to make him a 7th or 8th inning individual on a long-term basis? I kind of feel like Tyler Wells is going to be a 7th or 8th individual going forward i i think he's the next brad brock i think that's the right i think that's the right call honestly like i think that's the way that they should do it and they should use Voth as you know the long man and i would make tyler wells you know my my seventh or eighth i think the whole discussion about rule five really goes back to the stakes of the season right sure for the longest time the orioles stakes for the season has not been high you could argue that last year trying to have a winning season meant something Mm -hmm. but not enough to screw up a roster right this season, honestly, I feel like the Orioles are kind of in the same mode. I don't think you're going to get to late June and find this team pushing for a playoff spot and have them say, you know, damn the torpedoes, let's let's make a move or let's screw up the Rule 5 situation so that we can make a push for the playoffs this year. I, I just don't think the organizational commitment is there. I agree with you, and I would say that, you know, it's not to say that having a Rule 5 player on your team prevents you from being a playoff team. It is kind of a question mark standpoint of like, well, does that really work? And I think when you look at your position players, there is a higher level of question on that basis. But for bullpen arms, I think as long as you can manage that you have at least three pitchers that have options that you can be shuffling through, I think it works really well. So maybe maybe Pelletti is the lucky charm from a Rule 5 standpoint. Maybe he is the Lauren Flaherty of this team for the, for the the from, from the 2012 Orioles. And he, you know, spurs the team on. So um, my prediction, one of my bold predictions would be Pelletti's going to hit a home run in the uh, 2023 uh, playoffs. <laughs> All right. So your your bold prediction is that there are no bold predictions to be made about the roster. I, I don't think so. I think it's pretty ho-hum. I think if Dylan Tate was available, I think there might be some more awkward conversations. Yeah. But with Dylan Tate being injured, and I think with Michael Gibbons also being injured, I think the Orioles are going to string this along for a few more weeks. I hear you. All right, so the roster, kind of boring. In that case, let's move on. Let's talk about the Orioles' win-loss record for 2023. Get your magic crystal ball and gaze into it 
as the fog shifts, tell me what you see as far as the Baltimore Orioles, where they're going to land on the, the win-loss record. I don't think people are going to like this. I love it already. I'm going to go with 81 and 81. Ooh. Ooh. All right. That is, that is a prediction. Yeah. So you think they're going to regress a little bit from last year, but it's basically going to be the same team. I, I think so. I mean, I, don't, I think it's going to be a matter where I don't think the pitching is going to be quite as good as it was last year. I do think that positionally we're going to be slightly better than we were last year. And I know you're going to have a full year of Adley. You're going to have a full year of Gunner. Uh, I just think it's just not going to be quite enough and that the they're going to come up a little bit short and they're just going to regress slightly. And then next year it's going to really, really take off. But I really want to say, you know, that it's going to be a really good season. I just am having a hard time. I, I can feel that. And, and the thing is, and we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum, so as the national media, frankly, that the Orioles could go either way. They could go yeah. wildly different. My prediction for the win-loss record is that the Orioles will end up at 86 wins. 86 wins. Which I think is completely reasonable. Yeah, I'm, right. And, it, and that's what I'm saying. I'm, and we're talking about five games, right? It's not crazy. We are, but those five games mean so much. And that's, I think that's the hard standpoint. Like, you finished last year at 83 wins. And everyone's looking and saying, well, they just need to be slightly better, and then they're a playoff team. Mm-hmm. And I, I completely understand that. And again, I look at you know, the starting pitching, and I look at the bullpen, and I look at the position players, and I'm like, on paper, they look like a better team. But there were so many things that went right last year that I'm just really tough for me to commit to it. I feel you. I feel you. And I don't want to burn uh, too many of my other bold predictions, so I'm, I'm going to wimp out for this part of the conversation. But what I will say is I think the Orioles will end up third in the division on the outside looking into the, uh, the three wild cards. If spots. the Orioles finish third in the AL East, I guarantee you they get a playoff spot. Wow. Guarantee. Wow. Guarantee. I will put that in writing right now. If the Orioles finish third in the AL East, guaranteed they get a playoff spot. Wow, that is Scott Magnus's lock of the week right there. I think it still comes back to, like, I think the Rays are still a better team than the Orioles. And I think it's just, it's very small. But I just look at the Rays and I'm like, they just have a little bit more talent. Yeah, but how many ats do they have in their stadium name? Uh, they have a lot. Well, we've got, we've got more. We, we could have more. <laughs> Maybe that's the difference maker. <laughs> that is the difference maker. We want to be like Tampa, as, as per John Angelos. I hate that that is a real statement, That <laughs> it just hurts me. All right, Scotty, we've talked roster, we've talked win-loss record, we've talked uh, where they end in the standings. Tell me about your 2023 most valuable Oriole. Sure. So my 2023 most valuable Oriole is going to go to Gunnar Henderson. All right. I feel like that is both chalk and also audacious at the same time because, again, just like the team, yep. could go either way. Yep. Could go either way. But with when you look at a talent like that, you hope that he's going to be the spark plug. Yep. This is going to be very boring. My MVO is going to go back to Anthony Santander. Okay. I think that he's really coming into his own. I think that he is dependable and has produced probably more than I've given him credit for Mm -hmm. in the past. It could be recency bias, just watching him come off of the World Baseball Classic where he owned some games. But I I think that he will not be quiet as a contributor in this year. And I think that as all eyes are on Gunner, as all eyes are on Adley Rutschman, we're going to be reminded that this one-time Rule 5 draft pick is a really good ball player. Yep, I agree. It's that time then. We need to we need to step into our bold predictions. Yep. Our boldest of bold predictions. 
Yeah, sure. So my first bold prediction is going to be Cedric Mullins will be traded during the during the season. Wow. Can I can I make a request of your bold prediction? Sure. Can he be traded to the Angels? He can be traded to the Angels. Can you imagine the entertainment value? <laughs> I can't escape him. Can't escape him. That is one of my predictions is I think for some reason in the back of my head, the Orioles are going to look at, we'll call it their outfield glut, and they're going to say, we're going to trade Cedric Mullins and somebody else in order to get that pitcher that they want. Wow. I, I don't hate that as much as I want to. Yeah. All right. My bold prediction will be that Grayson Rodriguez will spend considerable time in AAA this season due to ineffectiveness rather than simply to limit his innings. Orioles fans' dreams of a commanding performance from their pitching prospect will turn out to be nothing more than fantasy. He'll have his growing pains, and he will have to go down and work on some things. He's going to be the gas man, but not right away. All right, my next bold prediction is, even with the larger bases this year, Cedric Mullins and Jorge Mateo are going to have less stolen bases. You're bumming me out, dude. Well, he's going to have fewer stolen bases, uh, Cedric Mullins, because he's not going to be here. But Well, I'm talking about over the entire season, but yes. <laughs> I still think it's going to be an outer where I think the Orioles are not going to be as aggressive on the base pass. Okay. I got to be honest. I, I really hope you're wrong because that is some of the most exciting baseball for me to watch. I, I, I love it, but I just, I've got a feeling. My second bold prediction, and this goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about where I think they'll land in the start, uh, standings. Both Kyle Gibson and Cole Urban will have pleasantly surprising seasons. And instead of pitching to our expectations, which you and I have said have pretty tepid. Mm-hmm. Both will put up 180 plus innings and pitch like a number two or number three guy holding down the fort until John Means and a resurgent cavalry, remember I said that Grayson Rodriguez was going to be down for a while, can come to the rescue. I complained all offseason about the fact that we didn't really do much. We got guys that are just going to be, they're going to be okay. But my bold prediction is that this, in my view, poor strategy is going to pay dividends. And both of those guys playing in front of Baltimore, playing in front of a great defense, playing the AL East fewer times than we would have in the past are going to surprise us. Things are going to work out really well for what is the top to middle-ish of their 2023 rotation. I can see that. All right, my last bold prediction for, for Baltimore sports is going to be that uh, the Indianapolis Colts are going to swoop in and uh, sign Lamar Jackson to a contract offer and Mayflower Trucks are going to pull up to M&T Bank Stadium and uh, pick up uh, gear from uh, Baltimore uh, and take it to Indianapolis. I love <laughs> I love how committed you are to just picking at people's scabs. You, sir, are, are an artist. So you want my real one now? Yeah, oh, please. Uh, so I do think Adley, Adley Rutschman's going to finish top three in AL MVP voting. I'm super high on Adley this year, and I'm actually pretty high on Gunner as well because I mentioned him. He's my MVO. I mean, in reality, if Adley is top three in MVP, he should be MVO. If both of those have the seasons they do, why do I feel like the team is only going to win 81 games? And that's the thing that I struggle with. Like, I have super high confidence in Adley. I have to have super high confidence in Gunner. The pitching is just the thing that just rankles me in the back of my head. So it's weird. Like, going into the season, I don't feel super confident. But, like, four or six weeks from now, I could be, like, sipping Kool-Aid and being like, this team is going to be super good. I think this season is going to be a roller coaster. I, I think that, that because of the very real possibility of all the outcomes, 
that you're going to watch two or three games, not you, Scott Magnus, you as, as Orioles fans, are going to watch two or three games and project into one of those extremes. And then the next te- two or three games, you're going to project into a very different outcome. I feel like when we talk about projection modeling, and I think Fangrass mentioned this, I think we even mentioned this in our last episode, you know, teams normally fall in a, you know, a six-win window. Um, and I think when you look at the Orioles with all the prospects they have on the position side, and then we'll call it a little bit of the uncertainty that we saw from a bullpen, I think there's just such a huge delta here in terms of what the Orioles could potentially do, where I'm kind of maybe safeguarding myself a little bit and being like, they're probably going to regress because this is a typical pattern for most Major League Baseball teams. But I look at the talent and I look at the performance they put out there, and I'm not buying into this whole thing of like, oh, Gunner only had two or three hits at the beginning of spring training. Like, that's that's BS. It's garbage. It's garbage. Yeah. I just wish, I wish we had one really, really good starting pitcher. And if we did, ah, I think I would be giddy is the best way to put it. And it's, it's really frustrating. <laughs> I, I don't know how much of this is, is me <clears throat> generating it and how much is not. But I think. Are you talking about Lamar Jackson's PR team or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, I, I got a letter saying that uh, I was not uh, able to negotiate over my emotions. Mm, that makes sense. Um. I was I was so disappointed with the outcomes of the off season that I think I'm now swinging in the other direction where you know I'm I'm just glad to get back to baseball I'm excited about it so I think I think I might be legitimately looking through my orange colored glasses. My final bold prediction: I, I feel at this point I'm I'm obligated to predict that the Baltimore Orioles in 2023 will lose 100 games. But didn't you just say they were going to win 86 games, Scott Magnus? My bold prediction. <laughs> that the Orioles are going to lose 100 games. Look, it worked in 2012. It, it did work in 2012. It worked in 2022. It did. I'm calling it right here. 100 losses. 100 losses plus. Maybe more. Yeah. Maybe more. If, if the universe loves nothing else, it's making me look bad. Universe, come at me, bro. 100 losses for the Baltimore Orioles. I feel like we're getting good at this. Okay, so we've got some bold predictions. But, Scotty, we're about to start the baseball season. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but... I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired, and I think we might need to pull in an arm from the bullpen ourselves here for Bird's Eye View. So let's take a quick break and, and see if we can get some help. So as Jake mentioned, uh, you know, we're getting very old. Um, it's the 12th season, our bird's eye view. And, you know, it, it's starting to get to where, you know, the folks that have listened now for this many years, they're like, they talk about the same thing every single time. The jokes are exactly the same every single episode. We have jokes? I think. We are jokes. We are we jokes. We are jokes, yeah. And, you know, we've been looking at who is going to be the next superstar in, in Orioles fandom. Who is going to be what pushes us over the top in terms of being an influencer as it relates to Orioles Twitter. Based off of recent evidence and collecting the data, I think we can all agree that the true fan on the basis of on Orioles Twitter has to be, well, it has to be the bots. We asked ourselves, how can we use this technology, this kind of knowledge, specifically in terms of bots, to greater facilitate this podcast, that of Orioles fandom? So we did some digging. We went into our treasure chest, 
we decided to spend some of that, you know, 60 plus million dollar profit that we have in, in Baltimore. No, no, we, we, uh, we sold the naming rights for the studio. Oh, we sold the naming rights for the studio. So um, we'd like to welcome you to ChatGPT Studios uh, this evening. And what we have done is um, we can't really get interview guests as good as like BSL The Verge, for example. Um, so instead, we have reached out to uh, ChatGPT to be our Orioles bot interview guest this evening. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to ask it a few questions through an interview style standpoint and really have it enlighten us with what this show really should be producing from a content basis rather than, you know, the stuff that comes out of me and Jake's mind. So in, in classic bird's eye view style, I think the first thing we need to do is ask chat GPT, what is its drink of the week? So here we go. What is your drink of the week? Question mark. Enter. So, Scott, I have been told now that the ideal alcoholic beverage to pair with watching a baseball game can depend on personal pre uh, preference, but some popular choices include beer. Mm. Beer is a classic beverage to enjoy while watching baseball. You can opt for a light beer if you want to stay hydrated or go for more robust flavor with a darker beer. Have you ever had a darker beer at a baseball game? No. No. Number two, whiskey. Whiskey is a strong alcoholic beverage That's true. that adds some warmth <laughs> to a cold night game. A whiskey sour or bourbon on the rocks can be a great way to enjoy the game. Uh, we've definitely had a whiskey sour or bourbon while watching a game or listening to a game on the radio because that's what old men do. Uh, number three, a margarita. Mm, a margarita. A refreshing margarita can be the perfect for a hot summer day game. The citrusy flavors can complement the salty snacks often found at the ballparks. And fourth and finally, hard cider. I would also cider. say, I guarantee your wife has had a margarita at one of your son's baseball games. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Number four, hard cider. Absolutely true. For those who prefer. I guarantee Jabby Burns has had a margarita at one of his kids' baseball games. I will not be searching. <laughs> for those who prefer a sweeter taste, hard cider can be a great choice. It can be a refreshing option for those right. uh, for that's easy to I drink. know your wife has had hard cider at a baseball game because I've bought hard cider for her at multiple baseball games. ChatGPT goes on to say, ultimately, the ideal beverage for watching a baseball game depends on your taste preferences and the occasion. Whatever you choose, remember to drink responsibly and stay hydrated. Wait, 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 wait. Did it say drink responsibly? It most certainly did. So it's Gary Thorne? Gary Thorne might be ChatGPT. Uh, chat oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> so I'm just going to, because it won't give me a straight answer, I'm simply going to select hard cider. ChatGPT's drink of the week is hard cider. Okay. However, I went a little further okay. into the conversation. And uh, I, I asked, when it comes to recording a podcast, what is the ideal beverage okay. to, to uh, pair with recording yeah. a podcast? It says, when recording a podcast, you may want to choose an alcoholic beverage that won't interfere with your focus or performance. Wrong. Here are some options that will work well. And I'm not going to read the whole list, but I'm just going to point out that two of the options that are li listed here mm -hmm. are things that you may or may not give me crap about. First is light beer. Yep, that's absolutely crap. And second is coffee-based cocktail. Hey, aren't you doing a coffee-based uh, non-cocktail this evening? I am AI, just waiting to happen. So, look, that's its drink of the week. I think that's great for our guest, but that's not why we brought ChatGPT no, to... We want to get to the heart of Orioles Matters, right? Because we're interviewing them to better understand Orioles baseball. So what kind of questions can we ask ChatGPT about Orioles baseball? Well, we went through bold predictions. Yeah. And so I want to get ChatGPT's bold predictions okay. for the 2023 season. So we've asked ChatGPT to make some bold predictions. So let's just, let's just see what goes on here. How many games will 
the Baltimore Orioles win this season? As an AI language model, I do not have the ability to predict the exact number of games. Well, neither does this podcast. <laughs> However, I can provide you with some general information about the team and its performance in recent seasons. The Baltimore Orioles have been struggling in past years, finishing last in the American League division in each of the past three seasons. Their win-loss record was shortened in 2020, was, uh, in the shortened 2020 was uh, 25 and 35. It is worth noting that there have been many variables that have affected the team's performance, including injuries, changes in coaching staff, and trades or acquisitions of new players. Therefore, predicting a team's win-loss record for any given season is always uncertain. Ultimately, the actual number of games the Baltimore Orioles win in the current season will depend on a variety. Okay, look, look, that's not an interesting answer. No. So what I want to do, that sounds like a Mike Bordick answer. Oh my God, what if Mike Bordick is ChatGPT? <laughs> right, I'm going to ask ChatGPT to give me a description of what might happen if the Baltimore Orioles won the World Series in 2023. If this ends up with pitching coach coming and shaking your hand and saying thank you for all your efforts i'm going to be using chat gpt for all my future podcast entries all right i i think this is incredible and <laughs> I, i'm i'm ready for this answer the baltimore orioles win 2023 world series in historic comeback the orioles have made history by winning the 2023 world series in a stunning comeback against the los angeles dodgers wait wait, wait. the los angeles dodgers los angeles Do i know that's the craziest part about this right the Orioles, who finished last in the American League East in each of the past three seasons, defied the odds to secure their first championship title in, it says 37 years, Scotty. Is that right? No. No. No, it's 40. I can tell you it's yeah. 40. And it's also, they haven't finished last in the American League in the past three seasons. Are you telling me that ChatGPT might not know what's going on? There might be a few errors in here, like a typical podcast, actually. Have they had too many drinks of the week? It might. They have, might have had a little too many hard, hard ciders. After a slow start to the season, the Orioles gained momentum in the second half and clinched a wild-card spot in the playoffs. They faced tough competition from the Boston Red Sox in the wild-card game, but emerged victorious in a 5-4 nail-biter, the wild-card game. The Orioles then faced the heavily favored Houston Astros in the American League Division Series, but they continued their momentum and swept the series 3-0. They then advanced to the American League Championship Series, where they faced the, their division rivals, the New York Yankees. The Orioles once again proved their mettle and won the series 4-2 to, to advance to the World Series. The World Series saw the Orioles facing off against the Los Angeles Dodgers, who had been favorites to win the championship. If the Orioles beat the Yankees in the ALCS 4-2, how would you react? I, I would never frown again. <laughs> the Dodgers took an early lead in the, in the series, winning the first two games at home, but the Orioles refused to back down and they won the next two games at Cannon Yards in Baltimore, uh, in Baltimore to even the series. The decisive Game 5 took place in Los Angeles, and it was back and forth battle throughout. The Orioles took an early lead, but the Dodgers rallied to take a 5-3 lead heading into the ninth inning. But the Orioles refused to give up, and they mounted a stunning comeback in the ninth inning, scoring three runs to take a 6-5 lead. Closer John Means. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Closer John Means. Hold up a second. <laughs> Hold up a second here. Is this that outlandish? I mean, because it comes back down to if John Means doesn't have the endurance, could he be put into the bullpen? <laughs> Maybe ChatGPT knows something here. Let me have a few hard ciders and think about it. Closer John Means then took the mound for the Orioles in the bottom of the ninth, and he shut down the Dodgers to secure the victory and the championship title for the Orioles. This is an incredible feeling, said Orioles manager Buck Showalter. Whoa, wait. <laughs> wait a second. 
Did we trade for Buck Showalter from the Mets? I think we are interviewing this guest through time. I, I'm, what I'm hearing is we traded somebody to get Buck Showalter back, and Brandon Hyde is now the manager of the Mets. All right, that's fine. Look, I'm not going to finish the rest of this, but I, I do have the opposite question. Oh. Are we going to the darkest timeline? We're going to the darkest timeline. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so we asked for a prediction about the Orioles winning the World Series. Yep. Let's go to the other extreme. Okay. What is the worst outcome of the 2023 season? Can I ask ChatGPT specifically, in that darkest scenario, what the team would have looked like if they have to lose 100 losses in 2023. I'm assuming, based off of previous indications of previous stories, um, that Manny Machado is going to have to go down with a massive knee injury uh, (laughs) and is going to be out for the majority of the season, um, and that Adam Jones is going to be traded to the San Diego Padres. If the Baltimore Orioles were to lose 100 games in a season, it would be considered a difficult and disappointing season for the team and their fans. Losing 100 games would mean that the Orioles would have won only 62 games in 162 That's seasons. That's true. That math checks out. Uh, a season, Unless there's a rain out of they don't want to make it up. <laughs> a season with 100 losses would likely involve a number of challenges for the Orioles. The team may struggle with injuries, inconsistent performances from players, and difficulties in competing against stronger teams. The Orioles would likely finish with a low ranking in their division and would not qualify for the playoffs. However, it's important to remember that a season with 100 losses in it uh, is not the end for a team. The Orioles would still have the opportunity to regroup, learn from their mistakes, and work toward improving their performances in future seasons. The team may also make changes to their coaching staff or roster to address the areas of weaknesses. Ultimately, while a season with 100 losses would be difficult for the Orioles and their fans, it would not define the future of the team, and the Orioles would have the opportunity to bounce back and strive towards future success. Scotty, this is all good and fine, but I don't think that this particular guest is being entertaining enough, and so I would ask you to please read some other scenarios that I've selected just in case we need to spice things up in 2023. Sure. So in a bizarre and unexpected turn of events, a Baltimore Orioles home game was interrupted by an attack of flying monkeys yesterday evening. Fans were stunned as dozens of primates descended onto the field, causing chaos and confusion. The game, which had been going on for several innings, came to a screeching halt as the monkeys began to swoop down from the sky. At first, it seemed like a harmless prank as some fans dressed up in monkey costumes and jumped onto the field. Um, But then the real monkeys appeared, flying in from the outfield and perching on the dugout. First of all, if this was true, our attendance numbers would be sky high. (laughs) Spectators were understandably alarmed, with many running for cover as the monkeys started to launch projectiles onto the field. What projectiles? You see, I knew you were going there. And some players even attempted to chase the monkeys away, but were quickly overwhelmed by the sheer number of primates. All right. I'm going to just pause here for a second. So obviously... Last year, Rogan Odor would have chased the primates away. This year... There's a punching chance that would have happened. There's a punching chance that would have happened. This year, who is chasing primates away on the field if they, they come on to there? It's a good question. Uh, it's not going to be Adam Frazier. No. Doesn't have the personality for it. I'm hoping it'll be a, a scrappy Terran Vavra. I'm, I'm still feeling like a Heidster is going to basically take out at least, at least seven flying monkeys. If, if he's good enough to, uh, to fight off Chris Davis, he's good enough for some flying monkeys. But as the situation escalated, the state security team was called in to help, and they quickly realized that the monkeys were not just a harmless nuisance, but were actually attacking anyone who got too close. Fans were advised to stay in their seats and cover their heads while the team worked to contain the situation. Eventually, uh, animal control was called in, and they were able to capture the monkeys and remove them from the field. 
and it remains unclear how the primates managed to infiltrate the stadium in the first place. Well, obviously, they didn't get their bags checked, and uh, you know they were able to sneak into the facility. But the Orioles game, unfortunately, was called off due to this interruption. The fans were left a memory that they will not forget. Um, some have even speculated that it was a publicity stunt by WNST, but the team has denied any involvement and called it a wildly unexpected and unfortunate event. You right. okay there? Um. <laughs> hey, you keep doing you. <laughs> Who says this offseason has been boring? I, I have one, if you don't mind. Uh, and I think it's the one that really has um, exasperated the whole situation this whole offseason. And we talked about the pitching. We talked about the payroll and stuff like that. And my question really comes back down to something we were talking about earlier. How much should the Orioles be spending on payroll? So JetGPT says as follows, Determining the appropriate payroll for a professional baseball team like the Baltimore Orioles can be a complex decision that takes into account a variety of factors, including the team's financial situation, their goals of the season, and the current market for the player's salary, including where their wife sings um, during the offseason. The appropriate payroll for the Orioles would ultimately be determined by team's ownership and management who would consider a variety of factors before making a decision. Some teams may prioritize investing heavily in star players in order to contend for good championships, while others may focus on building a strong farm system and developing young talent. It's worth noting that there's no set ideal payroll for a team, as the appropriate level of spending will vary depending on each team's individual circumstances. And that being said, many teams aim to balance their spending with the revenue in order to maintain financial stability in the long term. So $100 million is what you're telling me. That's what I'm hearing. I got one more. Uh, my last one on my end and it's something that has really been nagging at me for years, and you know this. Um, my question to ChatGPT is, is Brandon Hyde a Muppet or a man? Um, and ChatGPT says, Brandon Hyde's a man. He is a current manager of the Baltimore Orioles, a professional baseball team. While Muppet is a term commonly used to refer to characters from the popular children's show Sesame Street, it is not a term used to describe real people. It's important to remember the difference between fictional characters and real individuals. So there you go. Brandon Hyde, apparently a real man. Man. All right, all right, uh, Scotty. I, I think that there are two scenarios worth uh, worth exploring. Yep. And uh, so we've asked ChatGPT to um, to make a comment on it. And uh, the article uh, that that it's written for us uh, goes as follows: The Baltimore Orioles are packing up their bats, balls, and gloves and heading south to Nashville, Tennessee, in a stunning move that has sent shockwaves through the baseball world. The team, which has called Baltimore home for over a century, is taking a chance on Music City hoping to tap into the vibrant and growing market uh, of fans and sponsors in the area. The move comes as a surprise to many, as the Orioles have long been synonymous with the city of Baltimore. Generations of fans have grown up rooting for the team, and the Orioles have been a fixture of the city's culture and economy for as long as anyone can remember. But with declining attendance and revenues in recent years, team ownership felt that a change was necessary. Enter Nashville, a city on the rise that has been aggressively courting a Major League Baseball team for many years. With a new stadium already under construction and a passionate fan base ready to support the team, Nashville was the perfect destination for the Orioles. The team's ownership felt that the move was the uh, best way to revitalize the franchise and bring a new era of success to the Orioles. Of course, the move is not without its challenges. For the Orioles, it means leaving behind a beloved fan base in a city that has supported the team through thick and thin. It also means... This is really depressing. <laughs> it also means starting over in a new market with new competition and new expectations. For the city of Baltimore, the loss of the Orioles is a bitter pill to swallow. The team has been a source of pride and identity for generations, and the departure of the team is sure to be a deeply felt, uh, felt deeply throughout the community. The city will also lose millions of dollars in revenue and countless jobs that were tied to the team's presence. But for Nashville, the arrival of the Orioles is a cause for celebration. 
The team brings with it a rich history and a dedicated fan base, as well as the promise of economic growth and cultural enrichment. Fans in Nashville are already gearing up to welcome their new team with open arms, and the city's business and political leaders are eager to embrace the team and make them a part of the Nashville community. Only time will tell whether the move to Nashville will be a success for the Orioles, but for now, fans in both Baltimore and Nashville are left to wonder what the future holds for their beloved team and whether the grass will be greener on the other side of the fence. Oof. We, that is truly the darkest timeline. There's no doubt about it. I think I, can, uh, I think I can close this out with a salve to that. Okay. We clearly don't want the Orioles to leave the city of Baltimore. No, not whatsoever. And, and the clear answer is uh, for new and local ownership that is committed to the Orioles being here and to being here for good. So I think it, it might look a little something like this, according to ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. In a stunning turn of events, two local podcasters have announced that they are buying the Baltimore Orioles, becoming the first independent owners of a Major League Baseball team in history. The duo, who have made a name for themselves with their irreverent and often hilarious takes on sports <laughs> and culture, are now taking their love of the game to a whole new level. For years, the two podcasters have been known for their insightful analysis mm. of the Orioles. Apparently, and we, their, apparently they own the newspaper as well. And their deep knowledge of the team's history and traditions. Their podcast, which has become a must-listen must for fans listen. across the region. Definitely paying off the Baltimore Sun at this point. Have given them a platform and a following that few could have imagined. <laughs> but now they're taking their fandom to a whole new level, becoming the owners of the team they have loved for so long. In a statement released to the press, the duo expressed their excitement at the opportunity to bring a new era of success and excitement to the Orioles and to connect with fans in a whole new way. Of course, owning a Major League Baseball team is no small feat, and the podcasters will have their work cut out for them. They'll need to navigate the complex world of sports business and build relationships with players and other owners and find a way to balance their love of the game with the realities of running a successful franchise. But the duo is undaunted. Scott, do you feel undaunted? Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the duo is undaunted, and they are already making plans for the future of the team. They've promised to prioritize the fan experience, making sure that, the attendance on an or- uh, that attending an Orioles game is always fun and exciting. They've also promised to invest in the team's roster and infrastructure, building a team that is competitive and exciting to watch. This does seem fictional. For fans of the Orioles, the news is a cause for excitement and anticipation. The team has struggled in recent years, and the arrival of the podcasters as owners is seen as a fresh start and a new opportunity for success. Whether the duo will be successful remains to be seen, but one thing is certain. They are sure to bring a new level of energy and excitement to the Orioles and to the world of Major League Baseball. That's the predecessor to the 100 lost season. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I really think that ChatGPT has been insightful tonight, and they have looked into our soul, yep. and, uh, and we have seen darkness. I'm just glad that Buck Schulter is the manager of the Baltimore Orioles again. I am not in the World Series champion Baltimore Orioles. I am I'm also thrilled about that. So there's really only one last question for every guest that we have here. And so let's just ask it, Scott. Chat GPT, Beatles or Stones? And the, the answer is clear. As a music lover, there are a few debates as timeless as the one between the Beatles and Rolling Stones fans. For decades, supporters of these two iconic bands have been arguing over which one is truly superior. While there are compelling arguments on both sides, I believe that the Beatles stand head and shoulders above the Rolling Stones as the more influential and groundbreaking band. To be sure, the Rolling Stones have, been an impress- have an impressive resume. Their gritty, blues-inspired rock and roll was the perfect antidote to the Beatles' poppy, saccharine melodies. With classic hits like Satisfaction, Jumping Jack Flash, and Gimme Shelter, 
The Stones have left an indelible mark on the rock music landscape. Their longevity is also impressive. The band has been performing for over 50 years and still manages to sell out stadiums around the world. However, when it comes to sheer impact and cultural influence, the Beatles cannot be beat. From the moment they exploded onto the scene in the early 60s, the Beatles revolutionized music in ways that the Rolling Stones simply could not match. Their early hits like She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand were infectious, irresistible pop songs that captured the hearts and minds of a generation. But it was their later work, beginning with Rubber Soul and culminating in the masterpiece that was Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band that cemented their status as musical pioneers. The Beatles' influence went far beyond the music industry, however. Their hairstyles, fashion, sense, and overall aesthetic became symbols of a counterculture movement that was sweeping the Western world in the 1960s. They were political activists, cultural icons, and trailblazers who pushed the boundaries of what was possible in music and in life. While the Rolling Stones were certainly influential in their own right, they simply did not have the same transformative impact on music and culture that the Beatles did. The Beatles were not the mo- only the most uh, popular band of their era. They were also the most innovative, the most daring, and the most important. For that reason, I believe that the Beatles are the superior band, and their legacy will continue to be felt for generations to come. I do wonder to myself this. I wonder who is more verbose. Is it ChatGPT or is it Jake English? These are excellent, <laughs> excellent questions. I'm going to beg our listeners and Orioles fandom out there to feed the most ridiculous things into chat GPT that they can think of and post them. Because now... So there's a screenshot. Yeah. Now on Twitter, you can put a zillion characters, right? Yes. I, I want to hear the most ridiculous uh, chat GPT responses about Orioles scenarios that you can come up with. This was a lot of fun. The outtakes for this particular segment were not safe for work and enjoyable. And I will just say, Scotty, that... If the off-season were more interesting, if spring training were uh, visible on television, we might have actually had some baseball to talk about. Instead, we're left with bots. All right, with that, let's go ahead and uh, close this episode out and uh, blow the save. Already with the baseball season on the horizon. Uh, one other important baseball season has begun, and Scott, I'm back out there uh, coaching 12U baseball. They're had still letting you do that, huh? I'm allowed uh, you within 500 yards. It's, it's a good thing. Uh, had the opportunity to coach across the diamond from one Jabby Burns uh, this past week, and I'll tell you, his team got the better of us, but it was a great game. So I just want to tip the cap to, uh, to Jab. Looking forward to seeing him later in the season. Incredible coach, incredible guy, incredible father, but Masson Cup winner and a heck of a podcaster too. One day you'll be the Padres. One day. <laughs> Someday. And with that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. We've got the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, 
I'll bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. So we can generate our entire next podcast with this tool, right? Absolutely. No show notes. No show notes. We don't even have to read it. We can probably automate that, too. Absolutely. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.